the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's 12.39 a.m. on the East Coast. Uh, We are sitting here after an incredible turning point within the college football season. We knew that we had some forks in the road in terms of the conference championship races and the college football playoff race. We have a result as Notre Dame takes down number one Clemson. Florida outlasts and runs past the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, A lot to get into here as we do this instant reaction show here on the Cover 3 podcast. As always, thanks to those of you who are tuning in on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We're also video form, youtube.com slash cover three, and also in the CBS Sports app on your OTT device. So throw us on the big screen via your Apple TV or your Roku. You'll get Tom Fernelli, Barton Simmons, myself, breaking down this uh, dramatic and thematic week 10. I just... Uh, you know, we, we've got this like rush at the end of the night with, um, you know, double overtime in South Bend trying to tie up all the loose ends. And I, I feel like I want to hit what just happened, right? Because on one hand, the, the number one team in the country just lost Clemson has not lost a regular season game since the 2017 season. And on the other hand, am I being a Clemson apologist by just also not coming out with a lot of panic signs? Aside from Trevor Lawrence being out, aside from the uh, defensive losses, I I kind of think that was just a great football game between two top five teams, a game that I would love to see again in the ACC championship game, two different programs that are running, uh, going about their business in different ways. You know, Clemson, more talented without a doubt. Notre Dame doing the program building thing. Again, I, I understand that I was out here on the Locks podcast and on CBS Sports HQ picking Clemson minus five and a half, but I, I hoped I loaded that with all of my belief that this is going to be a good game and Notre Dame just won a good game. So I, I don't know. Like, uh, it, I, I almost feel like I'm coming into this not with enough hot takes out of it, but with a lot of appreciation for what's happening uh, at Notre Dame for sure. I don't. I don't think it's a hot take at all to sit and say that there's nothing to panic about for Clemson because yeah, that was just two really good teams playing a really good, entertaining, fun football game that actually managed to live up to the hype that we usually don't see in these kind of matchups. True, but that was just a good time. Like, and and you're right. Like Clemson lost the game, 
And I don't think it was because Trevor Lawrence didn't play because it's not like DJ Uyunglele played poorly. He threw for more yards in the game than any other quarterback in history has thrown against Notre Dame. And I don't know if like, I, I think clearly Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. So maybe he makes an impact in that game, but I don't think Trevor Lawrence alone changes the outcome of it because I think Notre Dame just played that well offensively, defensively, they hung with Clemson. And I do think that the bigger problems Clemson dealt with were the injuries elsewhere. I think that, you know, especially in the offensive line, because they like, what's the kid's name? They lost their left guard during the game. So they were down there. And then they lost another guard during the game. And Notre Dame was already kind of getting the edge on him in the trenches to begin with. And losing him, I thought, really hurt him. But, like, there's no reason to panic with your Clemson because I don't think anybody's going to punish the number one team for losing on the road in double overtime to the number four team without your starting quarterback, without your starting quarterback. But even, but even if Trevor Lawrence had played, like what could you do? Like if you're a pollster or a member of the college football playoff selection committee, if Trevor Lawrence plays in that game, has the same performance he has and Clemson loses 47 to 40 in double overtime, what are you going to knock them down to 10? No, you're not. They're, they're going to be in the top four again on Sunday when the new polls come out. And if the college football playoff poll came out this week, they'd still be in the top four and they deserve to still be in the top four. Yeah, I, I thought that this game, because look, we, I mean, yes, Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing. Um, but like you said, DJ threw for 430 yards. Like, what do you want him to do? Like, <laughs> That's more than Trevor's career high. Like, it's not just. It's not just the most among, against a Notre Dame defense. It's also like more than Trevor Lawrence's career high, which was set earlier this year against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. So, okay. But <laughs> so th- this, this game was, to me, much more about Notre Dame than Clemson. Like the, this, we'd been talking all week about Brian Kelly. Um, is it validation? Being, like, is it like just sort of like, you're like okay, all right. You talked big, and then you went and proved it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just they, they, they played like they were a big boy. Like they didn't, they weren't acting. They weren't there over there, just sort of gimmicking their way through that. They, they were. They basically told like, they, like Brian Kelly all week's like, we're gonna run the ball, and this is what we're gonna do. And first play of the game, they break off a sixty-five yard run. Like they, they didn't. They, 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 they played a good football game. And they they have good players, and that like that's the other thing too is you 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 opened the um, your comments about it and saying you know Clemson's and Notre Dame is I don't know if if I lost you guys there uh, Clemson's more talented and Notre Dame is uh, program building doing the program building thing, but. I think we saw some real talent on Notre Dame side. Like, they, yeah, they, yes, there was Brian Brzee, the five star, Miles Murphy, the five star, DJ Uyangalale, the five star. But then, you know, Michael Mayer, the tr- tr- true freshman five star for Notre Dame, was making plays. Kyle Hamilton, the sophomore five star uh, safety, was making plays. Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, who is a former, like, high three star guy, but is a, a potential first round draft pick type of guy. Like, they have players too. I think that there was this real resolution that Notre Dame kind of sh- kind of kind of shrugged off and shed this this gritty underdog story of like just outside the blue bloods and i think that there's it's going to take more than just one game to to further validate that but for now Brian Kelly is right 
they are 29 and three and, and they have won 13 straight and they, they are a legitimate power right now. They're playing that way. And props to Ian book. Our boy played, he, he played lights out. Like there, there was never a moment where it was like, well, man, if only they had someone better than Ian book at quarterback. No, like he played well. He, he was in control of that game from start to finish. He had the fumble in the end zone, but other than that, like it was a it was a pretty lights out effort out of him. That was the best game of Ian Book's career. Yeah, without a doubt. Maybe not statistically. Like if you look at the box score, you might not be like, oh wow, especially when you're comparing it to what DJ did. But just the plays he made when he made them, and then like you mentioned, the fact that he had that fumble in the third quarter, and a lot of dudes that happens in a game like that, in a moment like that, and they turtle. It's over. And he didn't do that. He just fought back. And then at the end of the game in the fourth, after Clemson took the lead and Notre Dame gets the ball, and I think they went three and out, another chance to turtle, doesn't do it. They get the ball at their own nine-yard line. They got a minute and 48, two timeouts, no panic, calmly moves them down, You know, scrambles when nothing's there, gets out of bounds. And then under pressure on a blitz from Clemson, he looks up, finds Avery Davis open over the middle of the field deep, Make, throws a perfect pass with the pressure at his face, hits him to set up the first and goal that set up the game-tying touchdown. It was like, I, I've i dogged Ian Book plenty on this show. I think we've all given him some grief on this show, but that was far and away the greatest moment of Ian Book's college career. The I kept betting against it. Not literally betting against it. I wasn't live wagering, but as I was sitting there watching it, I was like, well... Now it's in, now it's in Ian Book's hands. Let's see how this works out. And I was just continually proven wrong like time and time again throughout this uh entire evening so i mean you you tip your cap to him without a doubt i feel like that was a that was a strong performance and i do feel like i come away with it with a lot more notre dame feels than uh than i do major adjustments though it, my my big thought for clemson is that it's really, 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 really hard to win a bunch of football games in a row in college football. And I love, like, I almost love when streaks end because you just, you remember all those like narrow margins for victory, the Boston college game, even just last week and all along the way, like, man, at some point, even with the most heroic performances from DJ Uyunglele, Cornell Powell coming up, you know, second straight game that he just had like, Okay, no, we're not going to get anything from um, Joseph McGotter or Frank Ladson. I guess that I'm just going to have to get out there. Somebody who could have like left in the transfer portal with the way that the personnel was looking, but uh, but yeah, no, nah, it's a it's a great win for Notre Dame. And what do you, I, I? So I guessed number two in the polls tomorrow. That's us. That's what I was about to ask. Fun thought experiment because we talked about this last week. Like you know whether we still had Clemson at one or Alabama at one. I'm thinking when I turn in my CBS ballot tomorrow, I'm going to have Notre Dame at number one. It's got the best win in the country. Good. You have a fair argument, and I think Notre Dame gets first-place votes, but just because Alabama had gained so many first-place yeah. votes on Clemson, that's why I put them at number one and Notre Dame at number two. And I'm again, that is a post I write every Saturday night guessing what the new AP poll is going to be. I think it's I th Alabama one, Notre Dame two. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it's going to be. But I think that on my ballot, I think I think there's a very legitimate argument that if you want to put Notre Dame at number one, if any voter does or any of us do on our ballot. No one's got a better win. No. Well, so, yeah, agreed. 
but uh, like I, I, I'll, Notre Dame's three on mine um, because Clemson was three before this on mine. Like I'd actually I had downgraded Clemson a little bit behind Alabama, behind Ohio State because I, I just didn't think that they're playing as well as those guys. And and you could make a case that yes, this win is big, but Notre Dame, you know, they hadn't really been all that impressive before. But I, I go back to the idea that in the way they were trying to win those games, they actually were impressive. But I want to get back to Ian Book, um, too, for, to, to make this point. As, as good as he played, I thought Notre Dame's game plan kind of allowed him to be successful, too. Like, there was never a moment where it, it felt like they were asking him to do something he couldn't handle. Like, they were giving him um, – I just thought it was a really good offensively called game. And I'm sitting here too, and like they, when they show the um, the shots of uh, in the press box of Tommy Reese um, as the offensive coordinator, and they're like he's 28 years old, and like my man looks 28 too. <laughs> like he is a tw- he's a 28 year old kid, and he is he is calling a game number four versus number one against a two and a half million dollar coordinator the best in the game in Brent Venables. And he just put up 47 points and little old Ian book turned him into a, a game winning quarterback. And I just thought, I just think Notre Dame has done and Brian Kelly's continued to do such a good job and, and, and building his staff, making the right hires ever since the Brian Van Gorder fiasco, like he's made good hires Clark Lee on the other side. I mean, clearly their game plan was, was look, if DJ is going to throw for 430 yards on us to beat us, congratulations. But Travis Etienne ain't going to run the ball on us. They're not going to run the ball on us. Kyle Hamilton's going to be the eighth defender in the box, like even if he's coming for 15 yards out, and they ain't going to run the ball on us. And they didn't. And I, I just think that they've, they, that team is, is really sharp right now in terms of having a plan, complementary, a complimentary plan to win football games. Ben, but don't break worked. I mean, so many Clemson field goals in regulation. Do do you guys want to see my impression of the Tommy Reese cam? Yes. Mm. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why is it so close to his face? Every time they show it, it's like, there's this much space between the camera and his face. It's like, dude, back it up a little bit. It's a tight press box. They got a lot yeah. of analysts in there. <laughs> um, all right. So from, I guess, I guess then it's time for me to uh, do. I, I'm not going to apologize. You know, I'm not. There is a limiting factor with the Georgia Bulldogs and it was on full display. Hmm. Because when you only complete 12 passes, excuse me, 12 passes were caught is the more appropriate way to say it because yeah. nine of them were completions and three of them were interceptions <laughs> out of 26 attempts to throw the ball. You've just, you're, you're not going to be able to win football games in 2020. And, uh, and I had higher expectations. I thought that there was another ceiling and there's not. Georgia can beat eight of its ten opponents playing like that. Can't beat two. And that's what it's going to be. 
Georgia's going to finish 8-2 and two with losses to Alabama and Florida, teams with better quarterbacks, teams with better passing games. And everything else, they can ride defense and running game. But not against Florida, not against this team. So, um, let's see. What is what is the hate? The what do the hates say? Uh, are you going to apologize, you Gator hating Georgia Homer? You owe a mea culpa to all Gator fans on the podcast, or you can keep bleep 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 bleep. Your choice, you Georgia pos. <laughs> is, that, is that a real message? That is a real message from Robert. Oh, Robert. Shout out to Robert. <laughs> Put him in his place. <laughs> oh, man. Well, where is it? Chip, I'm waiting. Still waiting. <laughs> the apology. Where's your, where's yeah. your apology? <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, like, I, and, and, hey, like, the thing is, too. Yes, Stetson Bennett is not good enough. Yes, Dwan Mathis is not good enough. Yes, the JT Daniels mystery continues. Yes, this whole Georgia quarterback like fiasco has been a total um like what's the old, what's the old TV show about like um uh events take like uh, like it, it like it, it's it's um, <laughs> the old TV show about what's, events. What's, what's the, <laughs> oh, that what's, show. <laughs> what's the TV show about like um like um Oh man, fuck! I'm I'm just late. <laughs> it's late. It's it's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's Unsolved a mystery. mysteries? No, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Like the old. I, was, I can't even. I, I don't have the vocabulary. Mythbusters. <laughs> I I no. was thinking. I was thinking that like the JT Daniels might be like a weekend at Bernie's situation, <laughs> where like maybe he's yeah. dead and they're trying to keep it a secret. <laughs> that could be it. But before I just started babbling my point was actually like not even the quarterback thing but they get up 44 points to florida like they florida moved the ball like this world-class heavyweight defense florida was just fine moving the football and they got about a half of of kyle pitts along the way and i mean georgia's just they they're not quite what we hoped they'd be they're just not um, and, and I, I don't know if, if Jamie Newman would have changed things, but I, I, I suspect he probably wouldn't have. I just think this is who they are. They're still who they are. And this is the, 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 the big jump we thought was going to happen. Wasn't going to happen. And Florida, by the way, is, is like that, uh, Texas A&M game, the one loss they have on their, their record, they scored like every possession, but two. Yeah. You know, so like they even their loss is like a good loss. Yeah. Um, this if, if not for that, they'd be sitting here. You know, we'd be talking about like if they play Bama close, uh, even with a the loss, they're in the playoffs, you know, um, in, the, in the championship game. So, I mean, Florida's good. Here's a thought exercise because you brought it up. If Georgia and Texas A&M play, who wins? No, I'm not on this Texas A&M because it's real easy to come out of this week with one of the talking points being that Texas A&M's a really good football team. I'm not it ready to go might there be yet. Though. I know I'm, I'm I will admit might, but I'm just saying I'm not ready to I'm not ready to take today's results for both Texas A&M and Georgia and totally flip my perception that I had going into the week which had Tech all right, which had Georgia mm, six and a half to eight and a half points ahead of Texas A&M. 
All right, fine. But going going back to your point though, Barton, about the defense, because this is it's just it's it's the latest example that an elite defense can be an elite defense, but in this day and age of football and where we're at, when you go up against an elite offense, it doesn't matter how good your defense is because there is no defense that can consistently stop a well-executed, well-designed offense. And that's exactly what Georgia went up against against Alabama when it gave up 41. And it's what Georgia was dealing with today when it gave up 44 to Florida. And that's the thing. Like, that's now it's two years. That's what we've talked about. That's what Georgia needs to realize. Like, until they get an elite offense, Kirby can have a great defense. It's not going to matter in these games. Mm. So I guess, do you accept my apology? No, I I'm, don't. I'm um, sorry for being wrong. Are are you still on the dog's pod thing or what? Yeah, are you jumping off? No. All right, well, you if I tell you that the, let's see, where's this stat at? That the 31% completion rate is the second lowest in a Georgia game this century? Does does that help? To, uh, Listen, I already had my heart against ripped. against something we all figured and derided all season long as a horrible defense. I, Georgia I had, was only able to complete thirty one percent of its passes. I had my heart ripped out by Memphis earlier today. I don't. I don't really have any feelings anymore. <laughs> you know, like I just I, I understand that you got to go through the darkness to be able to see the dawn. You got to be able to live through it to be able to see come out on the other side. And so when. When Georgia does live up to the same promise that got everybody on this podcast in on being a Georgia pod, I will have been there all along the way. See, I'm thinking we just need to make the, the transition official that we go from dogs to hogs. Ooh, that's mm. compelling. Yes, of course. Um, I mean, like on, on face value, yes. It's, there's a, There was a... I mean, in, in the... Uh, run up to the baby being born, there was like a like a principle where, where it's like, hey, do you think we need this? And I'd be like, oh, is it less than $75? Yeah, sure. <laughs> is this is this going to end this conversation and alleviate it? There's just like sort of some face value. It's like, oh, you want me to buy in on Arkansas? Yeah, I don't care what it costs. Is it less than $75? I'm Sam Pittman? Yes, I'm in. Without a doubt, like cool. will, but will burn any money or credibility or uh, or honor for Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks. <laughs> Good. By the way, the TV sh- the TV show that I was trying to think about it was the Twilight Zone. Ah, uh, I was waiting for you. Like not not. <laughs> I was waiting for you. Like, the show I was thinking about. You know, f- you remember Friends? That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> no. Is the twilight zone? Sorry, it's late. Okay, um, it's coming up on the other side. We take a look at Jim Harbaugh, the khakis, and a frustrating start for Michigan, and also uh, a big, big win for Indiana. Next, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? 
or the standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Lock Infinity uh, comes crashing down to a no start to its existence. And, uh, Again, I teased it at the beginning of the podcast, but I, I really had it ringing in my head. I think it was on the 2 p.m. top of the hour update on CBS Sports HQ. I shouted you out, Barton. And I mean, I mean, Hakeem Dermish on the other side, cover three podcast listener. You know, you just, right. you start speaking Shout that. Yeah, you start speaking that cover three lingo. He's just there. And, uh, and I mentioned that you had texted. I said, you know, Barton had a great point. He said, we might lose like infinity. But the content from a Michigan loss would be fantastic. 38-21, it was never even really close. No. Indiana just went out and won. And, like, we kept hanging on on these. Like, Michigan had some fight, and they had a couple of responses along the way. But, man, you sit back at the end of the game, you know, take, take myself out of sort of the flow of it from, you know, 12 to 3.30 or so. And and I'm like, man, the Michigan never really had a chance. I just, uh, I mean, is the content going to be worth it? I think so, right? I mean, it, uh, like the Jim Harbaugh content or just the Michigan content? Uh, I pair the two together because it's the same audience. So for our purposes, you know, like, it's literally like how, how many numbers of people are invested. Like, let me zoom in on my touch screen to the county and I, we, we can hit on it. And all, all of a sudden we've got like higher numbers of people that are interested in, in some college football content and what we got to say about Jim Harbaugh. Like there's this, the, the Michigan fan base is going to want to hear and the anti-Michigan fan base is going to want to hear what's going on with the Wolverines for the next, I don't know, three weeks or so. I mean, we don't know if the Wisconsin game is going to happen this coming week, which is already like a spotlight moment just because the Badgers are continuing to deal uh, with positive COVID tests. They have just returned to limited workouts, basically. I mean, they're back at June, right? I mean, they're not hitting. They're just going through uh, limited conditioning drills. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be one of the big talking points of the week. So I'm trying to ready myself. I still don't think he's going to get fired. He might. No, I'm. I'm. I'm not there. I. Th- I think it's yeah. more of like a, an assessment. You know, we gotta. 
We got we got to pull everything out. We got to shine the light on the entire body of work. I don't I don't think he's going to get fired because of this game. My my takeaway or my theory or my guess after this one is that they are going to want somebody's head. And I think it's going to be Don Brown's head before it's Jim Harbaugh because like defensively there has been no pass rush and in the secondary it's just it's comical how last week Michigan State was just chucking the ball deep and it was either completing passes or drawing flags on Michigan. And today, Indiana like was like, oh, well, shit, it worked for Michigan State. And Michael Penix was just chucking the ball deep. Some were completed. And when they weren't, a Michigan defensive back was grabbing somebody most often for no reason. Like there were balls that didn't have a chance to be caught. And I think that Michigan defensive backs were just doing it out of habit of grabbing guys when they didn't have to and getting flagged for it and letting Indiana move down the field. And it's just, and then there was Michigan jumped off sides five times in the first half, just off of a, clap the same thing that every freaking offense in the country is doing on a regular basis they got michigan because their pass rush has been so ineffective that everybody on that front is cheating to try to get a good jump off the ball to maybe get some pressure on the quarterback that they were jumped off sides and on two of them two of the free plays they got indiana got touchdowns out of and it's like it's one thing if you lose to your rival like you did last week because you know in rivalry games weird things happen But to lose to Indiana is another thing entirely. And I think that we should talk also about the fact that, oh, my God, Indiana might be a top 10 team. But if you're a Michigan fan or a Michigan player, there is no aspect of today's game where you could like zero in on it and say, well, at least this went well, because nothing went well. There's nothing that you can look at in this game and be like, all right, well, this is a sign of this is a reason to feel good about the future because it just doesn't exist. Everything that's happened this year since that Minnesota game to open the season has been a bad look for Michigan. Everything, every, every related game, every game with any sort of border adjacency to that game. Oh, your transitive property? Like all the way? Yeah, I guess transitive property, but just sort of all the different ways that the, the, the ripple effect, all the sort of, um, retroactive perspective we can put on that game, like it all looks bad. You know, Minnesota, you know, we go to that Minnesota game, we're like, oh, look at this Michigan offense, dirt bikes. Uh, look at all the dirt bikes. And then, <laughs> the shortest yeah, like lived drop eight, ever. 8.5 yards per play against Minnesota. Glad Ooh. I didn't dedicate a whole button to it on the mixer. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then the next week, you got Minnesota giving up 10.2 yards of play to, to Maryland. Okay. Well, so then next weekend, uh, Michigan state who had just lost to Rutgers with a 21 game big 10 losing streak beats Michigan straight up. All right. That's not a good look. Um, but let's, 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 uh, extrapolate that out forward and Michigan state's, then what was the final score of the Iowa game today? It's like 45 to 7 or something. Like that. Okay. So we can't because 40, 49 the, to 7. I'm shortchanging the Hawkeyes. 49 to 7. So we can't sit there and say, like, because in real time you could say, well, maybe this Michigan State loss isn't as bad. They turned the ball over seven times against Rutgers. Maybe Michigan State turns out to be a pretty good team. 
Uh, okay, well, that theory's dead one week later. Because Iowa yeah, it, was 0-2 going into that game. That was winless whatever. Iowa. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, so that's, <laughs> a good, that's an added bullet point. Um, but it, but even the, you know even if they're two and zero, it's still forty nine to seven, and then then you have Indiana, and yes, they came into this game two and zero, but uh, they were an unimpressive two and zero. They had an unimpressive win against Rutgers, where they had three hundred twenty yards of total offense. They had uh, a maybe even less impressive win against Penn State, where they just kind of somehow figured out a way to win despite having zero offense. And then against Michigan, what they put up offensively? Do you have the numbers in front of you, Tom? No. Uh, they put up 460 yards. All right. And they went off. Mm-hmm. And, 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 so, and then, like, even the, the Penn State sort of, uh, you know, attachment to these teams is, is out the window now with, with Penn State being just absolutely blasted by Maryland. So – there's no way to spin it right now at this point. Like Michigan's the Big just, Ten is jacked up, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Big Ten's jacked up, and and Michigan's there's no re, there's we have no we have no concrete reason to believe that Michigan is good, um, and and the offense is certainly, uh, you know, it, it deserves its fair share of the blame. It's not been great, but it's had its moments. The defense is really the thing that's just sort of fallen apart all of a sudden. Um, and and everyone's getting theirs against Michigan's defense, and it's it's almost like they've lost a little bit of their um their, their identity, like who they want to be, like pairing, like the personnel doesn't even seem to match the scheme at this point. They've got these big like zone corners out there, and they're asking them to be on these island to play man. They you know may, maybe their their best cover guy maybe Dax Hill, like I, he's playing safety. They, they just don't like they like you said, Chip. They're not getting any pressure with it. They're supposed to have these good defensive linemen, and and yet quarterbacks are going totally um, untouched in these games. I, I just don't know where you you know where, where's the optimism here for Michigan. Yeah, um, where's the floor? Where is the floor for Michigan right now? <laughs> I think we're at it. I mean, go go back to the pass rush. They had they had five sacks in the opener against Minnesota. But remember, it was a Minnesota team that was missing half of its offensive line last week against Michigan State. No sacks today against Indiana. No sacks. It's like the, the floor. The floor is your one and two, and you got your butt kicked by Michigan State, and now you got your butt kicked by Indiana. That's the floor. They're on the floor. Okay, so if the Wisconsin game is played and that game is in the big house and Wisconsin has all had all this time missed, are you taking Wisconsin? I'm not taking Michigan. I'm not touching it. <laughs> That's what I'm I am not touching that game if it happens. Penn State game in the big house? I'll tell you what. The Penn State game is the most like dumbfounding game result of the week. I think maybe, I mean, they got, what was the score of the Maryland Penn State game last year? Oh, they I mean, won by like, I think killed. I think they've won every game since Maryland joined the big 10, by like an average of 33 points. The, 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 I'm pulling it up. I'm going to pull up that game. 59 but, to nothing. 
I knew it was something crazy yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Penn State won 59 to nothing. And so, and this year, and like we, I mean, Penn State still, you know, they played competitive against Ohio State. They were really dominant against Indiana, particularly at least on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and and then just absolutely like gets just housed. I mean, Maryland was making big plays on offense. They were uh, they were blocking those guys up. Talia was was absolutely picking them apart. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Penn State just you know just Sean Clifford was just being Sean Clifford. Like the run game, those guys had had no juice. Um, they I think they're really missing Journey Brown in particular. And also Noah Kane, but I don't know how. Like, what's the excuse for that? And there were some really interesting quotes from Jahan Dotson, who's the one guy that is making plays for them these days. After the game, I don't know if y'all saw this. He said something to the effect of like, well, you know, everyone's not, everyone's not on the same page, or um, that we need we need everyone pulling in the same direction, and that's not the case right now. Or it was something that made sort of a very direct point, very. It was very direct towards the idea that like the locker room had some like lack of buy-in or something, you know, and so which understandable, like I mean, just just like on a human level, we've kind of had our eye on these teams that have been late starters, where it's like if things don't go well, and you've Mm -hmm. been tasked with a what six, seven game season, no bye weeks. I mean, it's real easy to let as someone who from the ages of eighteen to twenty-two during my limited responsibility time as a student at the University of North Carolina, let the effort gene really flourish and multiply within myself. I can understand that at that time, you're like, man, this stinks. Forget this. Like a divided locker room in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the Mountain West or the MAC, absolutely on high alert when you start obviously realize that you're going to fall short of expectations and that's where Penn state is. Yeah. I, I tell you there was, um, so we had, we had hardball lose. Um, we had, we had, we had, well, Texas almost lose. They, they hung in there. They got the win. No, that was, that would look, uh, West Virginia had two fourth downs like down by four, and went for it and, got, and didn't get both of them like late mm-hmm. in the game. Like they very they, in, in inside the 20, like inside the 15, like that was absolutely a losable game. It was a hundred um, percent losable game, but at the same time it was like, I don't know. I, it was, it was a position where holding that uh, West Virginia plus six and a half ticket. I kind of felt like down the stretch, I was like, I don't know. Texas might, might be able to cover this one eventually because for the first time, maybe the entire season felt like the defense was making some good third down plays, you know, felt like there were some, you know, th- there was something that for Chris Ash, there were some celebratory Chris Ash sideline shots. I don't know. The some office people would have you believe that West Virginia was robbed. That's yeah. what some people would have you believe. <laughs> but before like we, the, the point I was, that point I was actually getting at was, all right, so you have, you have Harbaugh losing. You had uh, West Virginia, whether you think so or not, Chip, I I, I promise you, like that game was almost a, a win for West Virginia, and apps and you and USC also had like a needed a uh, onside kick to beat Arizona State. 
Oh, and a so, tipped pass caught in the end zone. The first touchdown before the onside kick was a lucky bounce. It right. was two lucky bounces to get USC that win against Arizona State. So I'm sitting here thinking like in the COVID year where just the coaching carousel is not going to move. Um, this weekend felt like we got really close to just like getting a lot of momentum towards some big dominoes falling. Oh, but you Urban I mean? Meyer was quarantined with the big noon kickoff. <laughs> and right. so oh. Texas had to win and USC had to win. Hey, you know what you can do when you're in a quarantine yeah. and you can't be on TV? Scotty, a lot of time for those Zoom Scotty calls. Walden with some ADs. Get yourself an Austin P job if you're not careful. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, fe- it felt like that to me. Like, it felt, first of all, I mean, if Texas had lost to West Virginia, Tom, Tom Herman is basically... Uh, dead man walking yeah right like whether it happens this weekend or not like he's he's gone um it's clearly clay helton isn't gone if he loses to arizona state but it it felt for a minute like i mean it was what 27 14 um pretty late in the game i mean it felt like he was going to just sort of clearly be arizona state wins this one smooth and easy and then sort of all right now we're in for another year with the usc and that feels like it's it's if they lose to Arizona State in game one, that very much feels like that is a uh, that, that marriage is over. Um, and and then you got Harbaugh, who is one and two and just lost to Indiana by a lot. And so, it, man, like that just felt like a significant weekend from a job security standpoint. There are a lot of agents counting checks. They're getting ready to anyway. I saw on um, speaking of you know, obviously these fan bases are all, they get, they get these, these things, they take these things hard. Um, Tennessee, we talked about our, our, our hogs, Tennessee loses. I noticed on the Tennessee message board, there was like three different, like, what about Hugh Freeze posts? Like, Hugh Freeze minute Hugh Freeze in here. Fired up because Liberty, bruh. Justin Fuente got out coached. the goat like I, did, did you guys watch the game because i really didn't see a whole lot of it no i had to go back to watch the final sequence to see the ice the kicker but yeah, i, saw I that, iced yeah. the block and then i had to lose on the actual kick so uh khalil herbert getting ruled out early hurt big time and virginia tech was uh did a good job of sort of responding after falling in that initial hole but man i just uh i i mean hugh freeze gets to walk away with the the thumbs up man you know i think for the monday after this week my lead is going to be ranking jobs or potential jobs on the most likely to get hugh freeze like what's the most likely hugh freeze landing spot i mean if if it came open, Auburn would be a great fit, right? He's beaten mm-hmm. Alabama multiple times. He's he knows the SEC West. He's they they would love it. Um, but uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on what comes open. You know, like Muschamp today did himself no favors, <laughs> getting just blasted by A and M. He he got the uh, field goal though, so everything's fine. So 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 Hugh Freeze would be 
I mean, first of all, it's 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 just so kind of hilarious, but not. I mean, it's expected, but everybody wants him now. I mean, every fan base wants Hugh Freeze right now, and I don't blame them. Martin A&M wants him. So, I mean, you want to win games, right? Isn't that what we're trying to do here? Trying to win games. So, uh, I mean, the guy's 2-0 and against the ACC this year. He's 7-0. and he still has uh, NC State, and he still has Coastal Carolina. Like, there's uh, an ACC win, potentially, and a top 25, top 25 win, win, potentially, left on that schedule. I mean, if he if he runs that table, he'll have a better resume than Boise and BYU. I mean, the the margin of victory, the eye test, whatever, it might look a little different, but just in terms of the wins on the on the schedule – He'll have the best group of five resume out there, probably. Oh man, now I now I kind of just want like a Liberty BYU bowl game. Okay, yeah, because you realize that that's not for BYU and Liberty. It is not the New Year Six spot. It's college yeah. football playoff or bust. Or you could yeah. be the at large because that spot that is uh, reserved for the group of five, the fast pass to the New Year Six. You have to be a conference champion from the group of five conferences. So that means no BYU and that means no Liberty are eligible for the spot that is saved. They've got to get in just as the highest ranked team available that gets invited to the New Year Six. So you've got to be there. If you are BYU or Liberty, you probably need to be five, six, seven at the lowest to be able to make sure that you're going to get a spot when there's going to be spots reserved for the second place team in the SEC that doesn't get invited uh, to the college football playoff and the second place team in the ACC. I think there's only two at-large spots plus the group of five spot in the New Year's Six. Screw that, though. Here's the deal. BYU's off this week, all right? They don't have a game. They've only got two games left. They've only played eight. They want to schedule more. Liberty's playing Western Carolina this week. How much would it cost Liberty to get out of that Western Carolina game and play BYU instead? How can we make this happen? Catamounts are looking for that program building experience. How about a check? (laughs) (laughs) Cincinnati, of course, would like a word, you know, as they would be able to hold that uh, group of five spot also, regardless of what BYU or Liberty do. But that's what I'm saying. Cincinnati doesn't need to play the game because if they win the AAC, they're going to get the group of five spot right. New Year six. So I want to get BYU and Liberty another resume game to boost their shot at a playoff berth. Do you still believe no one from outside the group, the Power yes, Five? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I think I think today kind of sealed it because. Florida, Alabama, Clemson, or Notre Dame are going to get that fourth spot no matter what. Oh, because the games were, the game Mm -hmm. was good. Yeah, whoever loses Alabama, Florida, both, you know, or whoever loses Notre Dame, Clemson in the ACC title game, one of those two losers, assuming Ohio State, you know, doesn't lose, one of those two teams is getting it. Regardless of what happens moving forward, it's no longer the top three and this whole other division of college football, which is in the top three. And if it's this mm-hmm. whole other division of college football that's not the top three, then it doesn't really matter who we, who, what lamb we send to the slaughter. So you might as well give the, the sweetheart story to BYU. 
But now that, oh, okay, one of these teams might actually be able to beat these guys. In fact, one of them did. Now you got you to gotta figure Good out who's, who's the best shot. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a five horse race with a sixth horse just kind of looming in the back in Oklahoma. That's kind of just like maybe Oklahoma, I'm telling you now, I think Oklahoma is going to be t- a tempting team late in mm-hmm. the year because they not now uh, Jaden Hazelwood's back, uh, Ramondre Stevenson's the running back is back, Ronnie Perkins. I don't know if Trajan Bridges got back this weekend or not, but like they got they're getting all these guys back. They're, they're getting clicking. They're getting their Kansas beatdowns out of the way um they're going to be they're going to be a tempting team i tanner mordecai got 14 minutes tanner mordecai was in the game i think before the end i think it might be that over yeah i think tanner (laughs) yeah yeah as as somebody who was in on the oklahoma home over i was paying a lot of attention to the third and fourth (laughs) quarter out there in norman because it took a little bit of effort for us to be able to get there and get mm-hmm. over the total. Uh, yeah, it was just backups in for like large, large portions of the second half in that game. I thought that it was a good, uh, it was a good Oklahoma defense game. I know it was Kansas. I know it was Kansas, but still you're swarming to the ball. You're getting good tackles in the backfield. You're coming up with stops. It was a, uh, it's a good chance for them to leave feeling good about themselves. Absolutely. And look, you get, next week off and then you got bedlam and then you know what i'm 100 percent taking oklahoma to beat oklahoma state and then all right. of a sudden you're coming on the other side and you're like okay this is the best two loss team in the country do you, do you know what kansas's point differential is in six big 12 games i don't have it pulled up right now it's negative 218 in six <laughs> what is that what's that come out to a lot like, like 30 <laughs> 35 points a game or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. It's good effort. Um, so Colorado 48, UCLA 42. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <I'm sad. laughs> I mean, I oh yeah. Just that was, shoving it up our butts. <laughs> that was the other one. That was the other one. Because if if and along with Harbaugh, Herman, Helton, Chip Kelly is What's the case for Chip Kelly at this point, <laughs> CLA? I mean, we just don't want to hire a coach. The uh, like Martin Jarman just showed up as the new athletic director from BC. The guy who hired Jeff Halfley, who we believe to be like one of the best hires of that coaching cycle. So like if you want to play the new AD wants to make a hire, made a good hire back at BC, like that's definitely a path that I could see playing out at UCLA. But there's also the like uh, almost the USC situation, which is we've just had to resettle everything. I mean, just trying to do a coaching hire right now is just going to be too much for us to be able to handle. I don't know UCLA that well. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, the power brokers, all that sort of scene. But like, I don't know that the only argument against not moving on from Chip Kelly is, uh, that we've had too much, uh, upheaval and we just don't want to do more. You guys ready to have your mind blown? Martin Germont, Ohio state guy, hired Jeff Halfley at BC. He's now at UCLA. What if? USC Urban Meyer. No, no. Urban goes to USC. Fickle goes to UCLA. So we bring Ohio State to LA. Meyer versus Fickle. Just Ohio State guys everywhere. 
Mm-hmm. I don't see fickle. No, I, UCLA doesn't really strike me as a fickle. Job, yeah. Okay. All just, right. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. About. Very, very fun. Very, very fun. I just, in my head, I just imagined fickle trying to recruit California and it just like. So Carl Durrell gets Colorado after signing day. He inherits, he inherits his class. <clears throat> he has, he can't even have like a team meeting basically before the, the pandemic shuts things down. He basically like he's hired and given the timing, he's basically just sort of like, well, like, I guess I'll just take the, the assistant coaches that you guys already got in the building. Like you guys seem, seem good enough. Darren Chevrolet. Like, there's my staff. Yeah. Uh, most of those, a lot of those guys are the ones that Mel Tucker didn't take with them. But hey, it worked for it. You guys seem like, you know, some ball. You want to come along with me? And then they, this is a, a five and seven team from last year. And right out of the gates, he beats Chip Kelly year three. With I mean, a quarterback who played four games at safety last year and, and was going to transfer after graduating until he was told that he could play quarterback. <laughs> Dude. I mean, it's, it, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, the, I don't know what the, I don't know what the case is. I don't know what the argument is that Chip Kelly is on his way to success. Cause he's not recruiting. Well, how bad is it? I haven't paid that close of attention. Uh, I haven't paid close attention to it either this year. You haven't had to, which tells me <laughs> yeah. our story. <laughs> I mean, I haven't looked at their latest classes, but yeah, I remember like the first last year's class was a disaster, if I remember correctly. They're currently 50th in the country. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> last year, they finished 33rd, which was like a dramatic uptick from where they were at one point. Before that, they're 40th. So 40, 33rd, and 50th are the three classes Chip Kelly's brought in. 19th. He inherited one where he got, got finished 19th. Northwestern, 3-0. and Might be the second best team in the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, but it's, like- it's, it, it is pretty Northwestern-ish, though. <clears throat> like I, watched, I, I tried to watch, get some good eyes on that, that Nebraska game today, and it's still Northwestern. So it's still going to be the same thing. I don't, I don't know what the hell happened that Maryland game. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. 43-3, what are we doing? Um, they were just ready that night in Maryland. Wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, on the subject of this game, Nebraska, like, shut up. From this point on, you, you don't get to complain about anything. Cause you, you just want to play ball, man. You can't spend all that time. And I get it. Like I understood the frustration. I understood why they were angry. I understood all of it, but you don't get to spend all that time complaining about the Wisconsin game being canceled and then trying to schedule a non-conference game. And then you come out against Northwestern and you score 13 points. Man, like that is my, I, I just am so tuned out to Nebraska complaining. You know, it's it, I had forgotten that they wanted so badly to go play. Uh, was it Central Arkansas? I think so. Yeah. No, it was Chattanooga. It was the mocks. It was the fighting mocks of uh, UTC. 
They wanted to play Tennessee Chattanooga, and that was going to be their game. And uh, the local Chattanooga papers reported it. Big Ten stepped in and shut it down. Nebraska's going to complain. But, uh, yeah, I'm just so used to Nebraska complaining here in the last maybe like six to 12 months and maybe longer, like for, uh, for people that are closer to the Nebraska program, maybe you're used to the Nebraska fans always being like this, but, uh, I don't know, man, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I was like, yeah, that is obnoxious. And I'm just used to it. Almost like the buzzing of like a cicada in the summer, you know, just like just sort of a background <laughs> noise in college football. It's like, oh, yeah, it's college football season. So Nebraska fans are unhappy and buzzing over there about something. I've tuned it out entirely. But uh, good point. I'd, I'd totally forgotten that they were very unhappy about not getting to play the fighting mocks of the FCS uh, when the game got canceled against Wisconsin. I had scored 14 points against the mocks. So uh, last week's game got canceled. Is that right? Yeah. That's the one that got canceled. Mm-hmm. So, they, so, so they're 0-2, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they played two good teams. Oh, no. They they <laughs> no, no, they have. It's just, it's like, <laughs> you can't. You can't be that vocal and you can't be that belligerent and you can't be stepping that far out of line and then come out and play like you did today. You know what I mean? Like you have to, like if you're that mad or if you think you deserve it that badly, then come out and beat the crap out of Northwestern. Show us how angry you are and show us why you want to play. You know, it's it's like the dude at the park who talks a whole bunch of crap and then he gets on the court and he's like missing every single shot and he's calling a foul every single time you come within two feet of him. That's who Nebraska reminds me of. Right Kobe now. buckets. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So what else stood out from uh, from the day? I want to go back to the Tennessee game, to the Tennessee Arkansas game. How much did you guys watch? Much of that? I watched it in the second half when Arkansas kind of came back to take the lead because I was like, "Oh, oh, now I got to start paying attention." Because like the Tennessee was up what, like twelve to nothing? Yeah, it was, I think it was thirteen nothing at half. Yeah. Uh, total control of the game, Scott. Like similar in some ways to Kentucky because like they dominated that Kentucky game, but they. Uh, in the first half, but those interceptions put them behind the eight ball, and then Kentucky controlled the second half, and it was a different story. But uh, I guess Jarek Warantano got um, banged up, got concussed, knocked out of the game. Brian Marr came in. Uh, they couldn't get anything going. I think they threw like nine passes all game or something. 21. Passes? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they, so they I think they they threw a few late, but like – so they, they put Harrison Bailey in the game really late. And yeah, they, Garantano they, was five for eight. Brian Marr was 0 for four. Harrison Bailey, six for nine. Okay. So Harrison Bailey. So they had like, what, like 13 passes or something before Harrison Bailey got in the game yeah. um, in the, at the very end of the game. And at that point, it was just like, all right, nothing else is working. Let's try Harrison Bailey out. And they put him in the game and like, like six straight plays, they hand the ball. He hands the ball off. His first six plays in the game, he hands the ball off, and three three plays punt, three plays, and then you're at fourth down, and it's like fourth and four, and then they throw it with him, and it's an incomplete pass, and or it was intercepted. Um, 
And then I think his next series, he kind of threw it around a little bit and had one picked off at the end of the game. But it's like, I just don't understand. I don't really – like, this is the first time that I'm truly having some doubts about this Jeremy Pruitt thing. Um, I've thought he was the right coach. I thought he was the right hire. Uh, I thought he was building it the right way. But I don't – I just don't – he may be t- just be too stubborn to understand, the like – the way to win today because that's that's not how you don't just run it like you know over and over again i don't care who your quarterback is like you got to find ways to make allow those guys to be successful um so i i just there's i I don't know man i mean if arkansas year one under sam Pittman beating tennessee year three under jeremy pruitt is just i don't know what that's it's kind of like the chip kelly thing what's Mm -hmm. our excuse here why what's what is our i mean big dumb jack football yeah, I mean they've lost four straight, uh, including Arkansas and Kentucky, and it's just not really, it's just not that that pretty of a product right now. And and it and Sam Pittman again, like I think Sam Pittman is such a great example of a coach that is not being stubborn, a coach that doesn't come in with some dogmatic philosophy, and he's going to stick to that. But someone is is, is going to you know hire who he needs to hire fill out a good staff, recruit his ass off, and figure out a way to win games. And one of the most, I thought, really um, the thing that stuck with me from that game, after the game, it was really interesting. Like um, Sam Pittman, you know, everyone's going to sort of like, he's going to, to his media stuff or whatever. And like every offensive lineman from Tennessee, like the camera was showing Sam Pittman, they all came over and hugged Sam Pittman. Cade Mays, who he, who he played for at Georgia, came over and hugged him. So no surprise Whoa. there. But not not just played for. Sam Pittman <laughs> caught the finger of Cade Mays' dad when Cade Mays' dad's finger got caught in a folding chair and snapped across the room. Because if anybody is going to know what to do with the severed finger, it is going to be the offensive line coach who comes over and says, "If we get this sucker on ice, we got the best chance to be able to get it reattached." <laughs> <laughs> but Trey Smith came over to him and another O-lineman or two came over to him. And this was just where the camera was on him. Who knows how many other guys came over to him. They're all like giving him hugs. And like, I just think, I, th- I think being someone that guys want to play for that projects the, to, to projects the demeanor that he cares about you as a person and the willingness to be, malleable as a as a guy that figures out how, how to win games like those those are the new traits that are good coaching i think sam Pittman has it but i don't think it's a new trait like uh i think to, it's a little bit new though it, I, I do like it, yeah, do not- in in like a complex conversation especially in terms of being able to like listen to players and be able to be a better communicator and be able to like take on where your players are at and empathize like yes that is definitely more new school but it sounds old school when rusty tells us uh early like right as things are about to get going like i when rusty says i'll tell you what those arkansas players will run through a wall for sam Pittman. Like to hear Rusty explain it, it does. It doesn't sound as new school, right? It just sounds like you're a good leader. Like you're just good right. at inspiring and motivating your team. Like in a sense, it is the most old school thing that there is when it comes to coaching up football. Which is like, 
I, I'm I'm going to motivate you to literally go slam your body into other bodies at a high and violent pace. And like they got, I just think that Sam Pittman is a, a fantastic motivator and a good coach. I obviously good relationship builder from the recruiting trail and his success there. But like, I, I just love that. Uh, he's you're, you are right in that he is uh, a little bit of a sign of what the, modern coach needs to be, but it is with a hundred percent with some old school tendencies. Not to, not to uh, belabor this point, but if, if I'm an AD and I'm, and I'm hiring a coach and this is really, I think it's really hard for fan bases to like, they, they want to just judge a hire by like, what, how many points per game did his offense score or how many points per game did his defense allow or whatever. But I, if I'm an AD like that's kind of the last thing I'm asking a coach is like, well, what's your scheme? Like, tell me how, like, how are you going to generate points? Like, I'm going to figure out if this, if this person is like, like how human they are, how smart, how intelligent they are, how good of a problem solver they are. And, and then like the other stuff be damned, like that'll work itself out. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a tangent for a different day, but I, I just think it's, I just think it's really interesting because that it seems like there is some contrast there. Because Pruitt is in the must champ. He seems like he's in like the must champ, Kirby, old school defensive coach way. And this is just the way we're going to do it. And, and it's not working. Speaking of things that aren't working, you're having a little bit of a crisis of confidence with, with Jeremy Pruitt and your belief there. How, how do you feel about your pokes after today? They got the win, That's but it dumb. wasn't exactly a confidence booster. Well, you know, the Tylen Wallace was out. Um, and Kansas state, this is, this is, this this is the bread and butter to just figure out how to keep things close. Uh, props to them for, for being that good at that. Um, (laughs) but But seriously, Oklahoma state won the game, right? 2018. They had 256 yards of offense. Spencer Sanders ain't it. I mean, he's it for them. I mean, he's good. He's, you know, that's who they're, that's their, their guy. But I mean, the, the, the idea of Spencer Sanders is better than like the actual guy, like what, like seeing him, step in last year as a redshirt freshman and every once in a while he has a big throw and every once in a while he has a big run and yeah he has a couple interceptions but you know what he's a freshman young yeah (laughs) like it's just it's it's just he's just kind of an okay quarterback with got a little more pop and juice than than some other guys but he's not really like that guy but he's but look look i mean there's still gonna be some moments and he's got big, big plays and they're still gonna be capable um, and the defense is still good. So they're just figuring out ways to win for now. Do they have bye week this week and then Bedlam? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're all yeah. right. We're okay. No, but they're going to lose to the Sooners. <laughs> Probably. Did Did either of you get like eyes on Stanford and Oregon? Because I barely saw anything from that game. Just a little bit after the Notre Dame game, I kind of tried to watch some of it. Uh, yeah. Didn't watch much of it in real time. Yeah, I, I recorded it, but I had to live blog the Notre Dame Clemson game, so I wasn't really able to pay any real attention to it. So, but uh, Oregon, I guess they won by twenty-one, so it couldn't have been that bad for them. Yeah, but Davis Mills didn't play. Oh, that's yeah, right. But, but 
but I mean, no, 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 no. Don't bring your already anti Stanford bias into this conversation. If Davis Mills doesn't play, we're not going to draw any big judgments on the Cardinal. Well, we can draw some judgments on them. (laughs) (laughs) It was 14 to seven for a large portion of that game. Like I I look at it as much as being like, okay, so I, I just think that Oregon, because its defense is so good, it's just not going to put much on Tyler Shuck's plate. I just don't think they're going to ask him to do a lot, and I think that that's fine, and they're going to be able to beat a lot of teams. And that's why, for example, even with Davis Mills out, Stanford scores a touchdown early, but Oregon doesn't really respond and pull away. It's 14-7 for a long portion of the game. Like I just I think that Oregon will be unspectacular with its wins, I don't know if it's going to go undefeated. That's a little bit too tough of an ask for me to commit, but they'll probably only be a one-loss team on Selection Sunday, and I just don't think they will have enough spectacular wins in that profile to really have an argument to be something other than like, oh, yeah, no, Oregon had a good season. I will say this. So, because I watched a little bit of the, the back of the game, and I watched a little bit of the beginning, uh, and I did catch. So, so Stanford's field goal kicker Jet Toner was zero for four on field goals. Um, so, and they did have, and Stanford was uh, sack adjusted, average six point four yards per rush. So that's a little back to the old Stanford. So I'm gonna give them a little bit of like an optimistic viewpoint on that side of the ball. But the other, the, other, um, the other issue with Stanford right now is that the defense isn't as dominant as it once was. And this is purely box score scouting here, but, but Oregon well, the, punted You do the personnel, too. I mean, the Stanford personnel, especially with some of the opt-outs, are not – doesn't look awesome. Right. Paulson Adebo opted out. Walker Little opted out. But Oregon today punted on their first drive. They had eight more drives in the game. They scored one, two, well, five touchdowns on those eight, one field goal attempt. So six of the eight, they had scores or score opportunities. And then two of them, they had turnovers. Uh, One of them was after an eight-play 60-yard drive. So the defense doesn't appear to be very, very stout, very stable. And maybe Oregon's offense under Joe Moorhead is something to be excited about. Tyler Shuck certainly seemed to have a night. I mean, every time I sort of looked up, there's highlights of him running around. So um, that's that seems to be encouraging. I, you, you touched on it a little bit. You know, you mentioned Jet Toner missed four field goals. Oregon's kicker only had one field goal. He missed it. So there were five missed field goals in this game. And I believe the total at most places closed at 49 or 49 and a half. <laughs> So there are either some people who are really angry with those kickers or there are some people who are very grateful to those kickers. Oregon was 9 of 11 on third downs. Going to keep fading Stanford. That's what I'm hearing from the uh, Barton Meditation Chamber. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. Maybe, Maybe it's time for me to just get bullish on Oregon. I will I watch this game on Monday, and I will let you know. I will not some- get bullish on Oregon. I will tell you the little that I watched, and it was on the side screen that was on such a stream that it skipped. 
You know, like when you're like, okay, now I'm really pushing my internet. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I got this one on the cable box. I got this one on the stream and I got this one on this. Oh, I can't ask too much. Every single time that uh, the skipping caught up, I was like, well, Oregon's just kind of mashing them, mashing them, mashing them, and it's just working. So, I mean, good for the Ducks. I, I wish I had more enthusiasm. Maybe I'll talk myself into it, but it'll take something a little bit different uh, for me to be all up on it. Uh, did y'all watch Miami on Friday night? AKA the heartbreak of a Wolfpack fan is unmatched. I did. I watched it for a little bit, although, I mean, I was, I was admittedly paying more attention to the Mountain West game and then the BYU-Boise game than I was Miami NC State. I watched it um, not, not in sort of a consecutive yeah. way, but in, you know, bits and pieces. Um, that's, that was sort of exactly the kind of game that I, I did, and I picked the under on HQ, but I should have known better. That's that's the way that thing would have played out. No, yeah, you should have just taken NC State, right? Yeah, right. and and realize that it's like, yeah, they'll threaten to do the upset, and then have their heart ripped out by Derek King, who's going to have five touchdowns and like a nearly perfect performance. I mean, the the man put the whole Dagum team and the whole Dagum season on his back. So Miami doesn't play Notre Dame. Miami has a loss to Clemson, but Miami doesn't play Notre Dame. Miami is in the ACC championship race right now. You don't have a head-to-head tiebreaker against Clemson, but that was on the line Friday night. But that's another reason why it was so important that Notre Dame win tonight's game because now they they might not have to worry about any tiebreaker with Miami or any one of those situations, and Clemson has the tiebreaker about Miami. So if you're a Miami fan, you probably should have been rooting for Clemson tonight. Yeah, you definitely should have been rooting for Clemson. But on Friday night, you were like, oh, crap. If we lose this one, we're in a whole lot of trouble. And NC State had that game won. Mm. Disappointing. Yep. All right, anything else from the uh, from the notebook? Your heels just dumb rush Duke. Oh, my gosh. Mac Brown was like, I don't, I don't know if I've got the Mac in, in me tonight, but it's like, uh, he, he said, what was it? He said, if I had a dollar for every time I thought to myself, I don't know if I've got the Mac in me tonight. <laughs> you guys know I've been here a long time and I know that they're not going to judge me by Virginia. They're going to judge me by Duke and NC state, Wake forest and the way I do against them. That is somebody who is very tight with boosters who helped pay Larry Fedora's buyout that allowed for him to be able to be hired. And those boosters do care way more about what happens against NC State and Duke and Wake Forest than what happens on the road in Tallahassee or even in Charlottesville, even with that Reconstruction era hate. To not thump Duke would have been a bad look for Mac with his buddies. And so I think this was... This is a win for the homeboys for uh, for Mac Brown. Tom, I just realized that the team that gave up 10.8 yards per play to Maryland and 8.5 yards per play to the dirt bikes gave up uh, or put up 
gave up 14 points to Illinois and yeah. won 41 to 14. An Illinois team that was starting its fourth string quarterback <laughs> and was missing players on the offensive line. Yeah, it's okay. All Illinois right. is an absolute mess right now. But no, it's uh, yeah. Minnesota looked okay in this game, but again, it's hard to know. And this is all very, it's very diff- difficult to compare and contrast these teams. That's yeah. The Big Ten is just Big Ten's a mess. <laughs> it's it it is like it's Ohio State, and then it is the shrug emoji, and it's just like, hey, we're only playing to get Ohio State to the playoff anyway, so who cares? What's happened on Oregon State, Washington State, while we've been on this podcast? Uh, Washington, Washington State's good. yeah, Wazoo's looking good. The 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 uh, run and shoot not having much trouble adapting, and as we talked about in the Pac-12 win totals, Oregon State's very inexperienced defense not having trouble giving up yards. Thirty-one twenty uh, Cougars lead eight thirty-two left in the fourth in Corvallis, and Hawaii up thirty-six to thirty against New Mexico out on the Big Island. Not on TV. The way it's meant to be. <laughs> only only on the streams that you find on Reddit. I don't know what you're talking about. I would never illegally use what's what's it they put on like gate baseball games you cannot, you know, whatever. The Twilight. I'm having my Barton Twilight Zone moment now. Any reproduction or copyright there we go. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I would never violate any laws when it comes to watching things. Fubo TV, you can sign up through the CBS Sports app. It's also where you can find any of the CBS Sports games on cbsports.com. CBS Sports HQ for all your pregame, halftime, and postgame needs. I think it's it's time for us to go to bed, gentlemen. (laughs) Seriously, I've I've been like a... We're about to get some of those little barrage of two-star reviews from... Barton stutter sessions at midnight. <laughs> I'm tired of old sleepy Barton on the reaction pods. This country's moving on into a new era. We are accepting of such things. <laughs> <laughs> that is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.